There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast brought to you by Union Bank and Trust. I graduated. I feel like a big kid now. We have a brought to you on this podcast. I think the next step in my transition is uh, calling up ABM. Got to get Sean on the phone to figure out how he did it. Brandon Vogel is my guest this week. Brandon, hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to figure out, is this a, is it a Nebraska hat that you have on? It's an Adidas hat. Yeah, no, this is a Hemingford high school basketball hat where uh, a Bob Hemingford Bobcat is spinning a basketball instead of a Boston Celtic. So it's a little bit of a logo mashup. I love it. Um, We have you on to talk about the, I, I guess, quote unquote quarterback competition, but the thing that I really want to talk to you about is sort of the comments that were made this week by Nebraska offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple talking about like, he wants to see more energy from the offense. He wants to see more from the offense uh, coupled with Casey Thompson's comments that they don't have enough leaders on offense or they don't have enough people being vocal on offense. And so he's kind of taken it upon himself. But first, before we dive into that, I want to take a second and thank the sponsor FSC edge. I ask questions for a living. The best Q&A sessions that I've ever been in have been ones where I felt like the person on the other side of the tape recorder was invested in me just as much as I was invested in them. Talk to folks who've worked with FSC Edge, who have gone to the offices, who have met with, and they will all tell you the same thing. You'll get the same kind of treatment. FSC Edge integrates AI technologies, case management tools, and augmented operators to optimally process patent documents quickly and accurately. They work with some of the largest patent offices around the world to manage thousands of patent applications and granted patents. We're talking about a place that deals on a massive scale, protecting inventors and advancing innovation, but does so in a way that makes every client who walks in the door feel important and heard. FSC Edge is always looking for new members to come on board and join their team. You'll be doing impactful work and learning about patents in a welcoming, easygoing environment. Check out available jobs today by going to jobs at fsc.com. Um, probably 30 minutes, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, 30 minutes before we hopped in this lobby to podcast, a tweet from Antonio Brown came across my timeline. And I'm going to guess that you haven't seen this yet. And so I'm going to read this tweet to you because it's maybe the greatest statement from an athlete that I think I've ever seen. He tweets sincerely AB with a graphic, his face smiling next to a bunch of words, 
quote, my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver. And it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jet stadium mid game while throwing up deuces. First of all, oh, my God. We're off to a strong start. Just flex on him, A.B. My biggest regret, these are Antonio's words again, my biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. <laughs> the Beatles or Jesus. Wow. What? Uh, <laughs> no notes. Perfect as is. Print it. Um, this is better than Michael Jordan's like facts that he was back. This is the greatest yeah. statement I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I, it definitely is better than the facts. Um, uh, you know, the fact that it was a facts, although era appropriate, hasn't aged, hasn't aged so well. I mean, this is this for a long time with with my era. Ricky Henderson was maybe the king of self-belief uh i guess we'll put it that way and i mean this is like this is the pros to to to, to high school stuff with what ricky henderson was doing I, I i kind of can't believe it i'm shocked this is um when when i'm you know 30 years from now when i'm hopefully teaching journalism classes at whatever school i'm teaching a journalism class at this is going to be in my curriculum and I think also in your curriculum, uh, one of the things you can convey to your students is a similar sentiment. If you like, look, you guys are pretty fortunate to learn from me because you can go back and read those stories that I wrote as a total, totally new uh, coming in cold reader. You wrote them. You can never read your own stories in the way that Antonio Brown will never get the, the opportunity to watch himself play. I feel bad for him. But also this, this whole situation gets better. It gets better because in the replies, there's a, a verified account, a company that I've never heard of called Tick Pick. In the, in the bio for this, for this Twitter account, this company says the best content for fans from a ticket app, save money and never pay fees again. Tick Pick comments on Antonio Brown's statement saying AB higher than StubHub's fees right now. StubHub is just when this came across my timeline, because I saw this and then the, the tick pick thing was immediately. And it was just like, it's, it was the perfect one too, where you get knocked out and you have absolutely no idea where you are completely discombobulated. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good for a, for a Thursday afternoon. I'm glad you brought that to my attention. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Nebraska's quarterback situation. First and foremost, his job is Casey Thompson's. We kind of suspected that in the spring. That's been reinforced in the fall. The job is Casey Thompson's. Brandon, are you – I guess what did you make of the fact that the narrative after day 16 of preseason camp, practice 12 of preseason camp, uh, in year what five for Scott Frost, is that the offense needs more vocal leaders? Was that something that registered on your radar as like, why are we still talking about this? Was that something that you were like, hmm, this is interesting? Or were you just like, okay, they don't want to tell us what the offense looks like, so we're just creating sort of stories for right now to, to push us through until Northwestern? 
Um, <laughs> there's, there's always a little of the last one, I think. In fact, we should probably, we should probably next year with our, our, what if we do a fall camp preview podcast, we should probably come up with a game where you can bet on like which media availability it is, however many we're in before it's the, the bad practice <laughs> availability. Cause you're going to have one, you know, and it's, it's never going to be early and it's never going to be the first week of camp. Because uh, you know you want to pump the guys up and, and and keep them going to to have the uh, I guess strength to to keep pushing the sleds and and doing the drills et cetera et cetera. But at some point uh, and you know week two, so really the concerning part about this might be how early this comes. Nebraska making it into, into its third week of camp might make it okay, but I think you're just inevitably going to have one at some point. The coach is going to be like, "All right, we gotta." we got to crack the whip here a little bit and say, Hey, not everything's awesome. Uh, and, and try to give the players a little push that way. So that was, that's piece one of it. I think there's always one of these and uh, we should start tracking them to see, to see when they happen, to have some historical basis for this stuff. The second part is the more vocal leaders piece. It didn't surprise me at all. Really? I mean, I think it's kind of inherent to, it might be inherent to having a transfer quarterback, which is, which is interesting um, across the sport because how many teams have a current quarterback battle going on with a transfer? Nebraska has one primarily between two transfers. And I agree with you. I don't know how much of a battle it actually is at this point. Um, but Nebraska also has transfers all over the offense. And you look at <clears throat> the captains last year uh, on the offensive side, both are gone. Um, Turner Corcoran has been a player who has been pretty consistently, you know, brought to the podium for Monday press conferences and things like that. And that's a pretty good indication, I think, of guys who are taking on a leadership role or who the staff sees, who the staff basically trusts to put up there. And Casey and, did mention him as a guy who talks. So, yeah. Yep. And he's one. And Vokalek's another one. Uh, Vokalek has been kind of a fixture at those Monday press conferences. So so that makes sense. Um Beyond that, though, like, who else should that be? And, and maybe that's the question. Because you go down the roster, um, you've got some experienced guys on the line who could who could be there. But you're looking at, you know, a, a Brock Bando, a Trent Hickson, guys who are experienced but who have always been, you know, pretty quiet, I think, by choice. Uh, that's just their kind of preferred style. You've got some transfer wide receivers who are – well, Trey Palmer certainly a big personality, but that doesn't necessarily make you a leader automatically. You know, it's it's just kind of the nature, I think, of, of where they're at with what they had to do with the roster to, to kind of fill in the depth that they – the depth concerns they had. Yeah, and it definitely feels like one of those things where when you – I mean, you look – look run through the positions and, like, look at some of the guys that they have – you mentioned Trey Palmer. He feels like he'd be one of like the dudes that it, when when you're let's say we get our hands on a on an opposing team scouting report of Nebraska. Trey Palmer's listed with the wide receivers. He's a transfer, and I would I would imagine that more often than not, a transfer's mentality, regardless of how outspoken they are, how like colorful their personality is, more often than not, I would guess that a transfer's approach to a new team is to say, "I'm just going to keep my head down and I'm just going to work." Um, look at running back. Gabe Irvin is projected yeah. to be the guy. He's still young. He's still very young and didn't play a ton last year because of an injury. And then the other guy is is a, is, is a transfer. Um, and then you look at the offensive line, Cam Jurgens is gone. Like this, you know, I saw I saw a bunch of the 
a bunch of the tweets. I saw the no context college football Twitter account tweet out the, the screenshot of Mark Whipple saying it was a bad day. And then Casey Thompson saying that this is the best we've looked since I've been here, which was hilarious. Um, and I just kind of thought like, like you said, like, you know, we're going to have one of these days and this feels like one of those days they put Nebraska in, uh, or they put the team in Memorial stadium to quote unquote, give them some juice to get through. Cause it's a grind in fall camp. When you keep practicing day after day, it, you know, it, it just felt like we're, 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 we're checking off boxes until we get to the season in terms of some of these media availabilities. It felt like we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The more interesting thing to me that, that came out of it was, I was reading through Mitch Sherman's write-up at The Athletic, and um, he said that he saw Scott Frost working with the quarterbacks and Mark Whipple on the field on a drill that included read option pitches. And that drill lasted five minutes, but that drill was there. And if you, I, I guess if you enter into this season thinking that, okay, Mark Whipple has the OC job, it's Mark Whipple's offense, they ain't running any option plays. That's not Mark Whipple's bag. Then you would be shocked by this if you are in the camp that Scott Frost is probably going to keep at least a toe in the offense's pool. Um, you're not shocked by this. Brennan, will Nebraska actually run read option, triple option, some variation of an option play this season? Yes or no? Well, they, you, yeah, they'll definitely run one this season. I think they'll, I think they'll have it. They'll be, it'll be there. Um, I don't see it being a regular part of their attack with Casey Thompson back there. So, which doesn't mean they won't run it if he's in there. It's kind of worthless if if he can't do it at all. And I don't think that's the case. You know, yeah, it's you think back to like pure option quarterbacks, and 
speed and kind of being able to read the defense and having good sense of when to pitch, when to not. Like they're all kind of, you know, unique skill sets on their own. But the way the play is designed, like if you can get the read part of it, maybe if you're not the fastest guy, um, it can still be an effective play for you. I mean, th- this part of it is is kind of super interesting to me because in July on on the uh, Husker Sports Network radio appearance, Whipple kind of indicated that that was still part of part of their plan, um, which makes me think that it's true. There's there's a piece of this that could be okay. You know, we get to see two practices during fall camp. They might show this because they know it's going to be a thing because this is Nebraska um, and put it out there like Northwestern's got a little bit of a guessing game. So it, it could just be a little bit of a sleight of hand. Like we're going to show this uh, probably not going to use it, but then at least Northwestern has to think about it. But then I think back to that, that game against the Wildcats a year ago and Nebraska kind of killed Northwestern with the option. Um, Pat Fitzgerald talked about it after the game. He's like, we knew they were going to do it. We thought we had a good plan and they just executed it better. So I would be surprised if we didn't see it at some point during the season. And honestly, I'll be surprised if we don't see it against Northwestern. So here's, here's something that's that I've been thinking about. And for, for you, for anybody listening, if this comes across as dumb or if this has already been answered, then I apologize. But, I'm a degree or two more removed from this than you are. And I've been thinking about when Whipple was introduced in the, in the very like infancy stages of this partnership between him and Scott Frost, the narrative was that this was a marrying of, of philosophies in some respects that this was going to be taking pieces of what Scott Frost has done that has worked and putting it together with what Mark Whipple has done and has worked at other spots so that Nebraska can try and reinvigorate this offense. And it seems like as we have gone along throughout this off season, the narrative has shifted to this is Scott Frost has no say in the offense whatsoever. This is Mark Whipple's deal. Scott Frost isn't going to be involved. And, and I mean, I've been, I've, I've asked like Aaron about this. I think I've asked you about this on the podcast. Like, do we think that Scott's going to be involved in the offense or if it's going to be only Whipple show. And I was just kind of thinking about this the other day and like, was it, but wasn't it like, am I mischaracterizing the, the, like the, the beginning stages of this partnership and saying that initially we were told that like, this was going to be sort of a marrying of styles. And so if that's the case, then it shouldn't come as a, a major surprise that Nebraska is at least working on some elements of a read option game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it, it should be. So it's been an interesting kind of journey with like figuring out <clears throat> what this collaboration looks like. Um, because I think early in the spring, you know, and, and even at, at Big Ten Media Days, you know, Frost, he, he got a question directly about, like, what's it like to be hands-off with the offense now? And he's like, I'm, I wouldn't put it that way. I'm not I'm not hands-off. Since then, you know, and I think it was last week during his availability, he had, and I'm drawing a blank on the, you know, the words more specifically, but kind of gave the impression that he's he was a little bit more comfortable, you know, stepping back. And I, and I do think it is a comfort thing. He's he's a good play caller. Like, you know, Nebraska hasn't had the results and we all know that, but 
Like in terms of the plays that they call and run being there, the amount of variety they offer opposing defenses, like I don't have, I have a hard time arguing with, with that piece of it. I'll go back to that July radio appearance, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a little hesitant to, because I feel like I'm putting a lot of eggs in just a, a midsummer interview. But during that, Whipple also said something that really caught my attention and it's kind of been my operating theory about how this whole thing melts together. He was talking about Logan Smothers and said, uh, Logan only had to learn half the offense. And the implication there was, I think a lot of the run concepts are the same. The passing concepts are probably, uh, I think Whipple takes the lead on that specifically. And until I see some games and we see differently, um, that's kind of the assumption I'm working with going in. Uh, I think Nebraska's run game is going to look a lot the same as it has in the past, whether that makes you happy or sad. Um, that's that's kind of the impression I got from, from Whipple's comments at that point. So there's a ton of incentive here to not run your quarterback because Nebraska's past – has been running the quarterback and recent past has been running the quarterback into the ground. So for this new, I guess like this restart, whatever you want to call it, there is sort of, I feel like in the back of Frost's brain, there's a, we can't do to Casey or Chuba, whoever it is, what we did to Adrian. At the same time, some of that stuff has worked. And if you look throughout college football, a lot of people run it because it puts the defense in stress. Yeah. Um, my question for you, Casey ran it 55 times last year with Texas. He had more than five carries rushing attempts in a game. And I'm looking at sports reference and I don't think they filter out sacks. So maybe a bunch of these are sacks, but he had more than five rushing attempts in a game. Put a little asterisk next to it. Uh, five times. Not, not a big runner. From what you have seen, heard, do you think that was by design? Do you think he's somebody that can give Nebraska some kind of, I don't know, escapability? I won't call it dual threat, but escapability if he needs to. I think he, I think he can. And I'd be a little surprised if his rush attempts weren't weren't a little higher than that in this offense. Um, but I think the closer they are to 55 on the season or about five a game, the better off Nebraska probably is. Um, you know, I'll give credit to Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald, who a couple of weeks ago, I thought put this really, really well. Um, Nebraska's offense probably for, for this version, for 2022's version to succeed, the more quarterback independent it is, it's probably better. And when you look back at the past 10, 13, 14 years of, of Nebraska football, it's been really, really quarterback dependent, particularly during the dual Martinez eras. And, and I mean, those guys were great players, both Taylor and Adrian, like their, their talent and their ability jumped off the screen. So did their weaknesses. Um, at times and it happened to be turnovers in both cases and i think that's because you know for for a lot of those those stretches less so with taylor than with adrian this was certainly the case with adrian 
it was their it was the their their ace ace up their sleeve. It was their best option when the going got tough. And if Nebraska is to get to where it wants to go, particularly with the quarterbacks it has on the roster right now, I don't think that can be the case. So that naturally probably brings down the, the number of QB runs a little bit, which, you know, just as a observer of football makes you a little bit nervous because or makes me a little bit nervous because you, you put it well, like that's a really good weapon. If you got the right guy back there and there's a reason everybody, um, well, almost everybody wants to take a real long look at a dual threat quarterback if they can get one. And here's the, here's the other side of that. Maybe this offensive line isn't built for that kind of running game. Very well could be. Um, and you know, that's, eventually we'll we'll hear from Rayola this this fall camp we were scheduled to hear from him this week uh didn't work out so it'll be it'll be really interesting because you know that's that's another one that's been pretty consistent through this entire offseason in the the spring on through to fall camp where you know Frost just kind of keeps saying like how he teaches is how I want our plays to be run um which is, you know, fine and good. And you just got to take them at their word for that. Uh, but it, it's <laughs> to think about the, the term fire off the ball keeps coming up. And I, I, I just, I, I kind of hesitate for a moment. I was like, is it, is it really that simple? Because I mean, that seems kind of like a basic tenet of, of offensive line play. And it, it's probably not that simple. It's just the easiest way to convey it. But it's the sort of thing you can't really assess for yourself until you, you start seeing some games. Yeah, because they spent a ton of time Last season, I mean, it came up a bunch where you would get offensive linemen off to the side and they'd say, yeah, we just want to, you know, when we have a power run game, when we dial up some of that power stuff, that's where we feel like we're at our best. And I always kind of pocketed those those little comments. I thought, mm, this is interesting. So if there's less read element, less optionality to it, and more power Maybe that's or, or more just like you said, firing off the ball. Maybe just go hit someone. Maybe that's them sort of making that adjustment four years into it, but still an adjustment uh, to what they have and the talent that they have. Um, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, if they can add since 2018, uh, the lack of a consistent handoff run game has been a big struggle for this offense in, in, in my regard, if they can find that and you're not, you know, running back talent has to do with that, of course. And, and I kind of like the group there, you know, it's, you don't have a lot of proven options, but you got a lot of, it's got a high ceiling, I would say. Um, but you're going to need talent on the O-line too. And you're going to need a, a kind of mindset and a team within a team up there. And, and I think if, if things go well in year one under Rayola, that's probably where the difference comes. You know, the talent is, well, you lost Cam Jurgens. You lost the most talented guy in your line um, from a proven perspective. So, so that's out the window. But how are you going to make up for that? If you get one that's operating more like a unit, um, which I think is always essential on the offensive line, Maybe you don't notice the the kind of gaping hole there at center, which isn't to say anything you know negative about Trent Hickson and his 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 ability at that spot. It's just Cam Jurgens became a really good player. Yeah, I mean Trent Hickson isn't probably right now. Trent Hickson isn't an NFL draft pick, and Cam Jurgens was. Um, the so 
you guys won't get to hear from assistant coaches in season, correct? Correct. Does in season apply to the first week of like game prep for Northwest or like the week leading up to Northwestern? I'm guessing so. Um, so I think in Ireland, like I'd be surprised if we didn't hear from the coordinators and we're, I think we'll hear from the coordinators during the season two. It's just the, the position coaches specifically. So I think next week will probably be, probably be about the, the last week. So Nebraska's fourth week of fall camp, uh, where we'll hear from those, those position coaches on, on a regular basis. So that's kind of what I was getting at. It's August 11th. When this podcast publishes, it'll be August 12th. Maybe you're listening to this on August 13th. What's what? What's the? I kind of smiled when you said you didn't get to to talk to Rayola this week. What's the likelihood it just doesn't it just doesn't happen between now and the the, the, the first game week? I, I, I would call it a coin flip at this point. Um, <laughs> I. I <laughs> I, I can't remember what the what the reason was when I was when I was talking to Aaron after this week's uh, most recent practice. There was a legitimate reason he was scheduled to talk. He was we were told he was going to 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 meet with the media, and then something came up and and he couldn't. So um, I don't think they're they're uh, making him unavailable for any specific reason. Uh, now, if he doesn't doesn't end up if we if we don't hear from him at all fall camp, I'll be like, oh well. That'll that'll kind of raise my antennae a little bit, but yeah, I don't want to like I, I don't want to offhand suggest anything nefarious is happening for anybody listening. I just thought I just thought that that was kind of funny. Um, that you know that's the most important position group for them this season, and uh, maybe it just doesn't work out, and you just don't get to talk to the position coach in fall camp. Maybe that just you know that's that's the way that happens. And look, a lot of a lot of teams don't let assistant coaches talk to the media that's fine um so yeah that'll uh that'll be interesting the nba finals are heating up looking for hot takes on all the postseason action the old man and the three presented by bmw is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage host and former nba sharpshooter jj reddick not only has a plugged in perspective on the action from his time in the league but he's also announcing the games in real time for espn JJ has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. 
and their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How are you feeling about this team right now, two and a half-ish weeks before the year? Um, good question. <laughs> I, I still don't feel, and, and this doesn't, you know, this isn't a reaction to uh, a poor practice on offense this week or any of that. I just don't, it's, it's hard to know how the pieces all fit there. And, you know, we're talking about the offensive line. It, I agree. It's the, it's the key to this, like for Nebraska to be an above average team record wise, uh, it's tough to do that in the big 10 with a just average offensive line. Now, I don't expect them to be one of the three or four best in the Big Ten, but they probably need to get close um, to to get to where they want to go. Quarterbacks, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, really, the entire offense is is a little bit of an enigma to me. Defense, I will say, um, I'm feeling a little, you know, a little bit more optimistic about. And I wasn't ever down on them. It was just like, well, they they gave up basically 23 points a game last year lost some really key contributors. I think the key there will be the defensive line because you've got a really, really good group of linebackers, in my opinion, um, and a really broad group in the secondary to to choose from. Um, and I, I have quite a bit of confidence in um, – in, in, in the coaching in the in the back four. So I feel pretty good about that group. Can that defensive line do what last year's did basically, you know, chew up some blocks, be pretty assignment sound, um, and give those linebackers room to work. If they do that, you know, Nebraska might slip back a little bit from from 23, 24 points a game. I don't think that's a realistic expectation given what they lost, but it doesn't have to be that far. So really the onus as it has been entering the last at least three seasons is can this offense produce more points um you can't you can't average 28 points a game again i think and and get to the seven eight nine wins that i think this team has the potential to reach you mentioned there that the offense is an enigma to you i think it's probably an enigma to a lot of people and i think it's probably an enigma to pat fitzgerald at this point yeah how much of this offseason and what has been said and what has been revealed and what has been shown is about just creating smoke screens for Fitzgerald? Do you think Frost is petty enough to say, Brett Bielema did this to me last year, so I'm going to do this to Pat this year? Could happen. I think I, I think less. it's less of putting a bunch of stuff out there that you have no intention of actually using and more just holding back as, as much as possible. So there'll be some wrinkles that like, you know, haven't come up anywhere through spring football, through all of this fall camp availability. There'll be a couple of things in that game where you're like, well, where'd that come from? No, they held it back. Um, but for the most part, and, you know, and Pat Fitzgerald talked about that at big 10 media days as well. And he acknowledged, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, I, 
I don't know if <laughs> when that happened with Nebraska last year against Illinois, like I got it and I understand, you know, that can drastically change things. That said, like so, so much of coaching is getting in game and figuring out a way to win, win the game when things change uh, from, from what you prepared for. So I acknowledge the the mystery. It's in Nebraska's favor this time uh, in a way that it wasn't last time. But those things on their own, I guess, don't decide games is, is what I'm trying to say. That was a very diplomatic way of putting that. Well done. <laughs> also, I want to point out that we, we have come up with two uh, story ideas in this podcast. And I would like to see... If you don't do it, I'm going to do one of them. And one of them, you were talking about Nebraska being so quarterback dependent. And I guess, you know, by extension, my dog thinks so too. By extension, um, you know, talking about Sam McEwen's comment. I wonder if you go look back through like modern college football, like what caliber of quarterback you need to be successful if you are going to be quarterback dependent because I like I started to think about Joe Burrow at LSU that team was probably pretty quarterback dependent but that was a like legendary Joe Burrow season and like last year's national champion wasn't really quarterback dependent um like Alabama's had really good quarterbacks but I don't know if you could if, if you would ever categorize them as quarterback dependent Super dependent on those guys, so that might be something interesting to see. What kind, what caliber of quarterback you need? Yeah, that that, that is a that is a good point, and I, I I do think it's something worth diving in. Wheels are turning now because you know, like you said, Alabama has had good quarterbacks. It's also one with quarterbacks who were you know on an Alabama scale, closer to to middle of the pack. I mean, you look back to that Texas national title in two thousand five, and maybe that's the starting point. Uh, you know, post Vince Young, because that was kind of the 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 ultimate of uh, you know, and that, those those Texas teams were were good, um, but Vince Young was so good, uh, and he was a guy who was just like save us, and and he did. Um, so maybe that's the launching off point for modern college football in this context of a kind of spread era. Uh, do everything quarterback because it's it's interesting you know Georgia was maybe the ultimate example to the opposite of that just a year ago which when you have a defense that includes basically the entire first round of the NFL draft that helps yeah absolutely Brandon you you got to go you got a hard out you got some stuff that you got to do so I'll let you get out of here thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's great to catch up yeah thank you for having me we'll be back next week in the meantime keep reading hillvarsity.com if you don't have a subscription to Hill Varsity, go to hillvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the coupon code VARSITY, all caps, VARSITY. Get that fixed so that you can read everything, so that you can get the magazine, all of the Huskers content that you could possibly hope for. Hillvarsity.com. Brandon, also, is, uh, is the I-80 preview show coming back this year? Yeah, so I've actually already done two so far. Did what yeah. I did last year of uh, – taking an offense and defense preview and basically just turning it into a podcast. Uh, and then the actual Northwestern game preview will come out a week early uh, ahead of that game. So I can record that and do what I'd normally do with it because the following week 
I'll actually be traveling to Ireland when I normally record. Uh, so Aaron and I are planning to do a live show from Ireland uh, there. So it's uh, it's back up and running. Defense preview just went up this week, offense week before that. So uh, you can definitely check for that. Oh, so I'm going to use the defense that I'm I'm podcast backlogged. I haven't listened to a podcast in a long time. Um, That's now, fair. Now I feel bad. No, I, I accept that. I80 preview. Go listen to it. Subscribe to it. It's really good. And I will get caught up. It's great. Shouts to Brandon for being on the episode this week. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week. Shouts to you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. A Huda Media Production.